Your website is your online storefront and the entrance to your inbox. If you can't generate enough inquiries, you're going to have a hard time booking more couples. But it's not just as easy as buying a template and DIYing your way to success. And if you're not going to hire a wedding pro, or if you just want to make a few quick fixes, tune in today to learn how many inquiries you need to make your numbers each year. What are the hardest parts of fixing your website if you're going to DIY it? And five quick fixes that make a big impact on conversions. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. I don't spend much time in bars these days. And no, it's not because of the pandemic. It's because I spent a lot of time in them when I was younger. And not as a patron, (laughs) but as a server and a manager. I spent half a decade working in them. And I'm telling you, half a decade working in bars, night in, night out, is like a lifetime of going out to them. I never really got the whole live entertainment part of bars, though. I got to tell you, probably a lot of it has to do with because I don't like to dance. But most of it is because you can't hear much else that's going on in the room except the music, and it kills the conversation. I end up going home with a raspy voice and ringing ears, and I wonder, why did I pay five times as much for drinks when I could have just had a better dive at home talking with friends on a patio around a fire pit and the background music playing much softer on my speakers? I know I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. Katie always gives me a hard time. She loves going out. I'd just rather stay at home sometimes. One of my least favorite kinds of bars, karaoke bar. Are those things even popular anymore? Do people go to those? I don't know. I've been to a few of them. My brother can do a pretty killer sweet child of mine from what I remember. But here's the thing about karaoke bars. It's all of the bad things I mentioned earlier, plus the music is awful. People take a great song and they turn it into something that's terrible. How do they do that? The background music is the same, right? Lyrics are the same. The meaning in the lyrics is the same. Even the music video in the background is the same as what you would find playing on YouTube or MTV or wherever. So what's different? Why is it awful compared to the hit that they're trying to do? The singer, the performance. Now, imagine if a karaoke singer auditioned with a record label. What would they hear over and over and over again? Guessing a bunch of no's. Thanks, but no thanks. Pass. Now imagine that you wanted to do original songs, not karaoke, with your own music and your own lyrics. Sure, you have the instruments, guitar, drums, bass, but does that mean that you can play them well? Does it mean you know how to structure the song or even sing one, write lyrics? Had there be any meaning or connection? How good would your music be? That's right. It'd be pretty bad. Who would listen to your music? Probably no one. Maybe your family. And that's what happens every day when couples visit websites for wedding pros. Not for music, of course, but with the writing and the layout and the image selection. For some reason, most wedding pros DIY their website. 
Imagine what would happen if a group of non-musicians picked up the instruments during a break at the next wedding that you worked. What do you think the attendees would do? Do you think they'd flock to the dance floor? Or do you think they'd cover their ears? Maybe head out for a break and some fresh air out on the veranda? Or what happens if you give your groom's uncle a camera and ask him to photograph the wedding? Same camera, same lenses you use, same equipment, same shot list, same timeline. You really think the uncle would be able to pull off a great set of photos? Or maybe you're a planner. You can give the bride's sister the timeline and production notes and see the event go smoothly. Maybe you're a stationer. Could you give somebody access to your InDesign? Let them create something for the invitation suite. Expect it to look good. Hand the DJ a setup playlist and keep the party going. Not if you were behind the equipment. So what makes wedding pros think that if you buy a template, you can sit down at a computer with a keyboard and a mouse and create a highly effective website. And I say that kind of rhetorically, but also legitimately. Why would you do that? Of course, there's no way you can create a super compelling site that will convert more inquiries in your inbox or build massive value for your higher prices or do the selling for you if you're working through planners largely and you don't get to talk to the couple or other decision makers. If I could wave a magic wand over the wedding industry, I'd remind everyone you'd never recommend to your clients that they DIY their wedding. Why do you try to DIY your own business? That's a serious question and one I hope you think about in the coming days and weeks. Because it's probably one of the biggest reasons you're not reaching your goals. Or if you are reaching them, it's why you're not tapping into your full potential. There's so much more out there. Why is good enough good enough? Most wedding pros aren't getting enough inquiries. If you're active on social media and you do real wedding blog posts, but you still aren't getting one to two inquiries per week on average, the likely culprit is your website. You should be getting somewhere between 50 and 100 inquiries. That's one to two per week. If you're putting in the time, plugging away on social media, putting out real wedding posts. Now, if you bought a template and then DIY'd the rest of the writing, the copy, and you did it yourself, you modified the layout, kind of moved things around, tweaked it, make it how you like it, and then randomly picked images that you like but didn't research or test it with your audience, well, please reach out for professional help. We're here. We can get you going in the right direction. Websites are nothing to mess around with. Now, of course... Just as your services aren't inexpensive, neither are people who do website work like us. But for many, maybe even most wedding pros, you could probably work just a couple more weddings to pay for professionals to get your website where it needs to be. Wouldn't that be nice? You do what you do best and let pros like us do what we do best. Again, this is all if I could just wave a magic wand over the wedding industry. But the reality is that some of you don't have the funds to have others do the work. I get it. I started my own company. Five plus years ago, I started from scratch. I had to bootstrap it, just like you did. But that lasted only a little while. Until I could get people to help me, experts to show me the way, or do the work. So until you have enough funds to hire a pro, if you're still in that bootstrapping stage and you truly can't afford to get an expert to come in and show you or do the work for you, I'm going to give you five tips to upgrade your website. That's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. All right. Tip number one, fix the calls to action, especially if they aren't easy to see. So a call to action is a button or a scroll bar that they're supposed to go through, a link that they need to click on. Calls to action, super important. 
Most wedding pros do not have nearly enough. And if you do, they're oftentimes hard to see. So stop making it hard to find out how to take the next step. Teeny tiny arrows with a little thin line weight, hard to see links buried in body copy, font colors that blend into background images, graphics and photos without text. And yes, we've already said it, but we'll say it again because it's that detrimental. Teeny tiny arrows with thin line weight, especially at the edges of an image or next to a number that's supposed to indicate there's more to click through to. Instead, make it so easy to see CTAs that it's hard not to click on them. Use big buttons, bold colors. Make it contrast with the background. Make the font on the button contrast with the button color. And make it big enough to read. Don't get tricky when it's better to be simple. One of the tests that I love to see if you have easy-to-see call-to-actions is back away from the computer, blur your vision, or if you wear glasses like I do, take your glasses off. And if you can still see where the calls to action are on the page when you're a few feet back and you blurred your vision, that's good. If you can't see the calls to action, people who are skimming your sites, they're not going to be able to see it either. Their eyes are moving too quickly. All right, tip number two, take care of the hard to read headlines. Headlines are super important. Headlines are what people who don't like to read, especially bad writing that's been written by amateurs, they skim through sites because it's not compelling. And when somebody starts skimming through your site, you've got to make sure that the things that are supposed to stand out like headlines do. In fact, most people, 80% of people will skim the first time they go through a site. They're not going to read everything. That's for a different pass through. But you got to hook them with your headlines. You got to explain the story that you're trying to tell as if they were just reading the chapter titles or the table of contents. That's what your headlines do for the first pass. Maybe the second pass. So, stop using stylized fonts for headlines. Calligraphed or cursive fonts, they look pretty, but you can't read them very easily. And maybe it's the reason that nobody reads anymore, is because they can't actually understand the handwriting. Instead, use big, bold headlines. Use keywords you know your reader wants to learn more about. When we do copywriting, we use what's called voice of customer. Exact words that their customers say in email correspondence or reviews, and we put those into the headlines. It's stuff that they recognize. It's mirroring. Third area, you can make some very specific quick improvements. Testimonials. Number one, most people don't have enough testimonials. You got to have a ton of testimonials. People want to be reassured that you're going to be able to do the job. You're fun to work with. You give good value. Basically, that it was the right decision. It pulls on social proof, which we know is one of the most important ways that you can influence people to buy your services. Here's a sample testimonial that we see some form or another on many, many websites. McKinsey was incredible. She really cared about our wedding and made everything stress-free and amazing. We can't thank her enough for everything she did to make our wedding a dream come true. Boring. All these things are true, but they're boring. And they sound like every other testimonial. Testimonials are crucial. They create that social proof. They provide that reassurance during the buyer's journey. But basic ones, they miss the mark. We recommend two to four, 10 to 30 word snippets from your best clients offering insights into how you met their most important concerns and desires. So you want to have testimonials that highlight their desires and how you met them or address your ideal client's concerns. Use them around calls to action, especially the biggest one on your site. The contact form. 
you must provide reassurance at the end of the decision-making process. When they're on your website, they're in your store, do they go forward? Do they make that next step? Reassure them right at the end. Give them some reassurance. Go check out our website. Look at our contact form. You'll see a very specific quote that I use from Barack Obama. And it talks about taking risk and how you've got to do it in life if you want to achieve progress. It's worth it. That's reassurance. We do that on purpose. You should too. All right, here's another one that you can make a quick change to. Many of you have a frequently asked questions section on your website. Now, I used to be very much against FAQs. Now I'm just against certain FAQs at this point in the process. I love the idea of frequently asked questions. I think it's really important because you can help prevent and overcome objections early. You can knock them out of the way before they start festering. Success comes when you provide the right info at the right time in the right way, though. Not all the information at once and not so early in the process. That's the challenge with FAQs. Every time you answer a question for a couple on your website, it takes away from a reason for them to even inquire in the first place. And if they don't inquire, they can't start the direct buying experience. If you're going to use an FAQ, be sure to focus on early stage questions only. Early stage. Focus on the inquiry process. What happens after they inquire? What is it like to inquire? When they send the inquiry in, what happens next? Or the client journey. What's it like to be a client of yours? What are some of the fun, cool things that you do? Or, this is important, what kind of style you have? How would you describe your style? I know it seems obvious to you and why you're different from your colleagues, but people who have never gotten married or just starting to do their research on your vendor category, they don't know how to describe your style. Give them the words. Answer that question. Offer a competitive advantage. If you have somebody who's reading your site that's at the end of the decision-making process, competitive advantages are what they want to hear. Say you get the fiance who's finally getting involved and has now looked at your proposal. You should have competitive advantages on your proposal and you should also have them on your website. FAQs are a great place to do that. Basically, any topic that can help them learn more about the general information they need to feel comfortable enough to inquire, that's all good stuff to put in your FAQs. So it's not necessarily answering all of the actual questions that are frequently asked. You're prompting them to think about these things that you want them to think about. And then you're giving them information and answers to it. Spark curiosity with your FAQ instead of killing it. Whatever you do, do not include information about the insurance you carry or the gear you use or how much it costs you to do business or how you only work with people. If it's worth your time to spend a whole weekend doing something because you love your kids, that is not something that your people want to hear right now. Please don't do this. It's not Shark Tank. Couples are not that interested in your business. They want to know how you help them, how you help them get what they want, a beautiful, a fun, a memorable wedding. Keep it focused on that. All right, here's the last of the five tips. This one's super easy for you to do something about. If you've got copy that's hard to read, and that could either be because the font size is too small or you're using giant blocks of text, you've got to fix it. It's not just what you say, but it's how you present it that helps couples read your copy. People don't read? Nah, I don't think it's true. I think people don't read bad writing just like they don't listen to bad karaoke music or look at the uncle's photographs or your best friend's floral design. 
But even if it is good writing, if it's not structured and laid out and wireframe properly, people aren't going to make it through it. On the one hand, you got to make the words easy to see. Pick a bigger font size, heavier line weight, bigger than you think at first. Make sure you check it on your phone too. On the other hand, you've got to reduce the size of the paragraphs in the body copy to be no more than four to five column lines. Anything more creates this insurmountable wall of text. Don't make it hard to approach your words. Make it easy to see the font size and make it simple to sort through the paragraphs. All of these can be changed or improved in a very short period of time, and they don't require a ton of skill. But these kinds of deficiencies will sink your website. They will make it harder for people to get through. The list of other common mistakes wedding pros make with their copywriting and their website design, it's so much longer than we have room for on this podcast episode. And many of them, including actually writing great copy, it's never going to be part of your skill set. Never. People go to school for years to learn how to be great writers. I have a degree in English with a focus on writing and communication. I wrote for magazines for a long time. I wrote a lot of articles. I've studied conversion copywriting. I've gone through training, lessons, programs. I read 30 to 50 books a year of great writing, all nonfiction. It's not an easy skill to get good at. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. I still struggle sometimes to create what it is that I want with words. It's going to be really hard for you to be excellent at this thing that is only a small part of your business. You wouldn't order a bunch of flowers and expect your best friends to create stunning floor design or beautiful photographs or a stress-free event or an interesting and well-edited video or a packed dance floor or stunning invitations or whatever it is you do for your clients. DIYing it is what you do when you don't have another choice. But many of you, probably most of you, have options on where to invest in your business. If you want more inquiries or the right kinds of inquiries from the right kinds of couples, one of the first places to look is your website. So please reach out if you want to learn more about how professionals like us create persuasive website copy and high converting websites for wedding pros like you. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 